0: Um, When I was a a senior in high school, I took a a radio TV class at Western Boone. So in the morning, I was at Southmont and I was there for a few hours, and then uh, my friend Ian and I would go, uh, we'd go out for lunch, and then we would head to Western Boone for that TV class. And basically every day we would go out for lunch, and we would try to make funny voices in the drive-through. You guys ever done that before? Yeah. We thought we were hilarious at the time. But we we decided after, uh, as the year was coming to a close, we had this crazy idea to make this award for one of the restaurants. And we both agreed that uh, that year, Arby's had the best service uh, to us. And so we made a fake award (laughs) to give to them. And it said, I mean, it looked legit, but it said the Tyler and Ian Award on the top. And then it said best fast food uh, service in Crawfordsville for that year. So we didn't think anything would come of it, you know, but we went in there, we, we presented the award to them just, you know, to have a little fun, and, and they said, oh man, we gotta get a picture. They called their manager over, got a picture, and uh, they decided they were gonna put this award on the wall. They put it on the wall right by the, the register where you order in plain sight for all to see, and probably the craziest part of the story, that award, that fake award, was on the wall For over four years. (laughs) I'm not knocking Arby's I love Arby's they obviously won the award okay Um, and it looked it looked pretty real so um, I I just I love telling that story I love going in there and I was like I'm Tyler from the Tyler and Ian Award that's me you know (laughs) but um, as I as I think back to this story though I am I'm really reminded how difficult it can be for us to sometimes know What is real and what is not? You know, it's a reminder that there are so many half-truths in the world, so many lies that we believe, and we end up believing so many things just because it looks real, feels good, looks right. As Christians, we believe total truth is found in Jesus, total truth is found in God's Word, but as we try to navigate through life and, and find our identity in Him, it can be difficult because this world is full of illusions, Look no further than social media, things you see on the news, things you see on TV. Um, We want to believe that everything that we see and read is true, but we know that's not always the case. Well, today I want to talk about just some of the illusions that are in our world today and how we can respond and find God's truth in them. I believe one of the biggest illusions for us to be aware of is this illusion of control. See, a big part of being a Christian is giving up control, surrendering to God, giving everything up, allowing him to really be the Lord of your life. It's about understanding that, you know, I'm, I'm really not in control of very many things in this life. As much as I want to be, there are so few things that we can actually control, so the only thing we can really do is surrender and give God the control I'm not going to sugarcoat it this is one of the hardest things to do we all want control think of all these different scenarios where if something happens where we can't control it we get upset over it Uh, a big one especially in Indiana is the weather Uh, if you have some plans and the weather uh, makes you cancel your plans we couldn't control it it makes us upset or how about when traffic causes you to be late maybe we don't see a ton of that here unless there's a train or something like that um, causes you to be late um, how about when another person's mistake affects you in some way? Group projects, right? Can I get amen? Group projects. Um, how about when the teacher gives a pop quiz and you're not ready for it? Maybe you're playing a sport and a, a referee or umpire makes a call that you disagree with or when a teammate doesn't do their job. Um, the list can go on and on, but the point is we, we like to control things. We, like, we don't like to surrender. You know, the word surrender itself is such a negative-sounding word, but as a Christian, it is supposed to be a beautiful word. Like the fact that I can't control very much in life and the fact that I can give it to a God who can, that's supposed to be a beautiful thing. It's kind of like a child uh, submitting to their parents. Um, Do you think our one-year-old daughter, uh, do you think that she sometimes gets upset that Caitlin and I have authority over her? Probably at times, like if she doesn't want to go to bed and she wants to eat something different, Um, but obviously she needs us. She she needs to submit to us to even survive, and in a similar way with us and God, you know, we're not always going to like the things that we go through, and at times we're going to want to control situations, but he knows what's best, and surrendering to him is actually a beautiful thing. I just want you to think about something I I know this gets talked about a little bit in school and um, I made this example with our our students one night at youth group but you ever consider the fact that you live on a spinning blue ball that's just kind of hanging there in outer space (laughs) and then if you if you look at these other pictures of how small the earth is compared to the planets and universe solar system and, and we're just like this little tiny speck It's just floating in outer space, you know. It has the right tilt, it has the right distance from the sun, like all these factors that are into it. Consider all of that and and think you really want to think that you're in control in this life. We are relying on so many other things just to just to be alive and to stay alive, and then when you pass away, then what? How much of that can you control? How much of your life, how much of your eternity is really controlled by us? If you were to make a comprehensive list of things that we can control, it's a pretty short list. I mean, we can control our choices. We can control always our attitude, how we treat people. Um, We can't always control things that happen to us, but we can always control our response. And that's about it. Now compare that to things we can't control, and and there's no comparison. You didn't control when you were born, who your parents were, where you grew up. Can't control when you die. Can't control uh, circumstances in your life. Um, Can't control the actions and choices of others. The weather, the economy, terrorism, violence, all these things. And the best thing you can do is surrender everything to the God who can control those things. Think about that beautiful verse where Jesus calmed the weather with his mouth the people were astonished and they said even the winds and waves obey him and he doesn't just hold your life in his hands he holds your eternal life in his hands so we have to stop trying to control everything anytime in my life when I've tried to control situations it typically hasn't worked out very well and I think maybe God was reminding me like hey I'm in control here You've got to give it to me. Don't try to fix everything on your, by yourself. Don't try to control the situation. You've got to give it to me. Look at what it says in, in James chapter 4. It says, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So the Bible talks about we shouldn't even boast in our future plans. We don't even know what tomorrow holds. And that's not saying that we can't plan for the future. Absolutely, we should plan, plan for college and career and We can make weekend plans we can do all those things but in James we are taught never boast in our plans because our lives are like a mist we're here for a little while and then we're gone and some people hear that and they think well I got to control things even more because time is so short when really it should cause us to surrender I know it's sad to to think about and talk about but think about when you're at a funeral or, or drive by a cemetery think about that do you really want to control? your life? Do you want, as Matt Chandler says, do you really want to be the God of you? That's terrifying. Or do you want to give it all to him? I know pretty much everyone in this room probably knows that we can get bad news just like that in one split second. You can hear horrible news or or we can we can lose our life just like that. Uh, Nobody plans to get in a car accident Nobody plans for a heart attack. Nobody plans for cancer. And they have weeks to live. And I don't say any of this to make us upset or to scare us. It's, it's really just about being aware of how fragile this life is and the fact that we are not in control. And because this life is so fragile, that's why I don't want to live for this life. I want to live for eternity. It says in Psalm 39, Lord, remind me, how short my time is on the earth. It is an illusion to believe that we're in control in this life, so let's give it to a God who is. Another illusion in this life to talk about is that you are defined by either your accomplishments or your failures. There's a whole lot of people in this world that not only do they define themselves, but they also define other people, how they view them simply by the biggest thing they've accomplished or the biggest mistake that they've ever made. And they wrap their whole lives around that one thing. It's an illusion to believe either one. And I, I believe the powers of darkness love it when we boast in things that we do well, and they love it even more when we sulk in a past mistake. Ecclesiastes is probably my favorite Old Testament book. Um, it was written by King Solomon, and a little bit of background uh, for, for him dude was rich. <laughs> uh, it was just crazy how you know, he was the wisest man and the richest man to live at that time and if you, if you were to compare the money that he made at that time and compare it to today's time um, he would have made about $800 million per year uh, with a net worth of over $3 trillion. By far the richest and wisest man to ever live And yet, look at what he writes in Ecclesiastes 2. I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself. The treasure of kings and provinces, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had worked to achieve— Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained the under the sun. So King Solomon had everything, was denied nothing, and yet he still says, my, my accomplishments, apart from God, meaningless. They mean nothing. Your accomplishments do not define you. And I'm not saying your accomplishments mean nothing. I'm saying your accomplishments, apart from God, mean nothing. Give God the glory in all that we do. Think about this. You know, a lot of times people will talk and they'll say, hey, where do you see yourself five years from now, 10 years from now? Where do you see yourself 100 years from now? Because in 100 years, maybe 120 years from now, every single person that is currently alive will be gone. What accomplishments are we really striving for anyway? Ask yourself this question. would, Would I rather be remembered in a hundred years. Maybe they'll make a statue of me. Maybe they'll write about me in a book. Would I rather have that happen or would I rather be in heaven and have someone come up to me and say thank you for helping me find Jesus. Thank you for helping me find eternal life. That's the kind of accomplishments we should want to strive for. Do you want to be known by people when you're gone or do you want to make Jesus known to the people while you're alive? Also your failures do not define you. This is the beauty of the gospel message, the fact that we don't deserve it. My salvation has nothing to do with me, everything to do with the grace of God. And any time I've screwed up or fallen short, I can be forgiven. I'm no longer defined by a past mistake, a past sin. Because if you follow Christ and if you're saved, God is going to look at your life and he's no longer going to see your sin. He's going to see the cross. We've talked about it before, but the Apostle Paul was a murderer. Peter denied Jesus three times. The disciples, how many times did they screw up over and over again? But they were forgiven. They followed Jesus. They didn't dwell in their past mistakes. Let's be defined by Christ and not our accomplishments or our failures. Some people may ask, what about Jesus himself? I've encountered this a lot with some of my, my friends who don't believe in God, you know, there's a lot of atheists in the world, and a lot of times people may think that Jesus was the illusion. You know, maybe Christianity is the fake news. Maybe Christianity is the made-up story, the fabricated story. I want to show you a short video. Um, this is a interview um, with Bono from the band U2, and uh, i not saying you have to agree with everything he's ever said in his life, uh, but he's a a Christian and um, often uses his platform to speak truth, and I love what he had to say in this interview. Love that interview, and uh, I agree with Bono. Uh, miracles are all around us, and, and consider that question, how could so many people be impacted by Jesus if he was an illusion, if he was just some crazy person? There are plenty of people that don't believe in miracles. They may even believe Jesus existed, but they'll say that his miracles were illusions or were fabricated stories. What's important to know, there's an ancient historical Jewish text, the Jewish Talmud, and it says in there, this historical text, it says there was a man named Jesus that walked this earth and that he, in quotes, practiced magic. So even though they weren't necessarily followers of Jesus, they wrote down in this historical document in the first century that a man named Jesus walked this earth, that he practiced magic, and by doing that, they admitted that this man was doing things they had never seen and things that they had no explanation for. And his miracles set him apart from other prophets or teachers or messengers. He performed these miracles in part to prove he was who he said that he was and ultimately to lead people to him. If you look throughout the book of John, there are seven different I Am statements From Jesus himself. He called himself the Great I Am, and there are miracles that accompany all of these statements. For example, he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus tells us that he is the the spiritual food that we need. The miracle of feeding of the 5,000, he didn't do it just to feed them, to satisfy them for a day, but to show them that he is the true bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. Performs a miracle of healing a blind man, shows that his power, giving someone sight, not just physical, but spiritual. In him, we won't walk through any darkness. He also said, I am the door. He is the entrance. He's the only entrance into heaven. He is the way. The miracle that coincides with this is when he healed a royal official's son from a near-death experience. He's the giver of physical and spiritual life. He's the door for both. He also said, I am the good shepherd. healed a man who couldn't walk or move on the Sabbath. The man had been in the same place for 38 years. Jesus healed him, showing he was Lord over the Sabbath. And also the symbolism, take up your mat and walk. No matter what we face, the shepherd leads us if we walk with him. Said, I am the resurrection and the life. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had been dead for four days, and that's important because back then they believed the spirit would stay with the body for three days. I think Jesus did it intentionally. On the fourth day, raised him from the dead, and then told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He walked on water. He's God in the flesh, doing things that nobody else can do. And he also said, I am the true vine. Turn water into wine. This miracle symbolized the replacement of their old religious ways. The true vine had arrived, and it was no longer about religions and customs, it was about Jesus Himself. You got to ask that question at some point in life Do I believe miracles still happen today? I absolutely believe they do. Uh, do they happen all the time? No, because then uh, it would not be very miraculous. Uh, Frank Turk said in one of his videos, it's like, imagine if you said, Jesus rose from the dead, and somebody said, Uncle Bob rose from the dead last weekend, big deal. Yeah. They don't happen all the time, but there's a purpose for each one. I believe it wasn't at our CIY week, it was the week before um, this, this campus in Michigan was doing three straight weeks of CIY, and we heard an unbelievable story. Um, some of you may have seen it on my Facebook page, but they had one of the services at night, they had one of these big frames that represented God's presence, and as the students were encouraged, to confess some things in their life, some things they're going through, some sin, um, to their adult leaders. The leaders would then take them up there, and they would walk through that frame. Well, we heard a story of how the week before we got there, there was a student who was struggling with self-harm. He was cutting himself. He had all kinds of scrapes, scars on his wrists and arms, and that night, when he walked through the frame, they were gone. His scars and cuts were gone. No trace of them whatsoever. And I don't have answers for why do some miracles happen, and then sometimes when we pray, sometimes they they may not, but I just know there's no other explanation for something like that than God being in complete control. Some people believe that the Bible itself is just full of miracle after miracle, And so they'll question, why don't we see them now? If God would just do this or that, I would believe. But the truth is, even in the Bible, there were periods of hundreds of years that would take place in between miracles. So if you ever ask God for a miracle and maybe you don't see one, maybe God's timing is different than yours. Maybe there is a bigger plan in place. Maybe it's just not in his will at that particular time, and we have to be okay with that. But the bottom line is we have a lot of historical evidence that Jesus was a real person, that he performed real miracles, signs and wonders. He did them to show the power of God and that he can meet our spiritual needs, not just physical. And in a world that is full of illusions that you're living in right now, this world is going to try to tell you that Jesus is the made-up story, that he is the illusion. But you know what? (laughs) The Bible predicted that would happen. Jesus said, they will mock you as they mocked me. He said, blessed are you when people insult you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. says in Romans, keep away from the teachings that go against what you've been taught. So in a world full of illusions, remember Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Satan is the deceiver, the father of lies, the accuser. Don't believe the lies and illusions of this world. It's no secret that a lot of people in America are leaving the church. Uh, The church is growing rapidly in many other places, but in America, a lot of people have been leaving, especially in the millennials age bracket. One of the top reasons that they give for leaving the church is they believe that the Christians are fake. They don't see enough transparency. They don't see people being real and If we want to make a difference for Christ, we have got to be real. We've got to be transparent. We've got to stop pretending. Stop pretending like we have it all figured out. Stop pretending like my sin is somehow better than your sin. Stop pretending that being a Christian is just about having a good behavior and doing good good things. Instead, we need to be real with people. Share about your struggles. Share about your questions, your doubts, your fears, this world does not need any more pretenders, or they're just going to think that our faith is the illusion. What they need are real, genuine, honest people who are not afraid to admit their shortcomings, people who are transparent about their brokenness and their need for a savior. So many other illusions we could talk about, but there's just one final one that I want to talk about today, and it's honestly the illusion I believe that the enemy wants you to believe the most. It's the illusion that says, you're not good enough. You're not worth anything. I think if I were to ask each person in the room, we would say that at some point in our life, maybe even right now, that we have maybe bought into that lie that I'm not good enough. I'm not worth anything. Jesus went to a cross (laughs) to show you how valuable you really are. And the world today is full of comparison. It's full of fake validation. You know, how many likes do I have on a photo? How many friends do I have? Do I have a day to the dance? Do people like me? Am I good enough to make varsity? Am I smart enough for this college? Am I good enough for that promotion? But the lie of thinking that you're not good enough impacts everything else. You may have heard this analogy before, but this example is even more real to me now that I have a daughter myself. When a baby is learning how to walk, they're obviously going to fall down a lot. They're going to have bumps and bruises. It's not always going to look graceful. But as a parent, you watch your child taking those steps, and you think in your mind, my baby's walking. And I couldn't be more proud. You know, as I watch Addison, even through the ups and downs, stumbling and falling, I, she's walking. And I, I'm so proud. Now, Can you imagine if somebody said the opposite? Can you imagine if somebody was, was watching her and she falls down and, and somebody's like, kid can't even walk. It's ridiculous. Get up, you know? It's horrible. It'd be a horrible thing, obviously. Well, that, that, that sounds a lot like an accuser, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like Satan the accuser. And, and here's where the truth comes in as you continue your walk with Christ in this life, you are going to fall down. You are going to get bumps and bruises. Your walk is not always going to be graceful. But while Satan is the one saying to you, you're not good enough. You can't even walk. Really? Get up. It's horrible. I'm here to tell you today that there is a God who is saying to you, My child is walking. My child is walking, and I could not be more proud. It is an illusion to think you're not good enough. It is an illusion to think that you don't matter. It's an illusion to think that you can't be forgiven. Why did Jesus die on a cross if you didn't matter? We're going to take communion together in just a few minutes. But before we do, I just want you to listen close to these words from 1 John And I'm reading from the message version. You can see it on the screen as well. Let these words sink in today. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life, the reality, not the illusion, and how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening, And if we're confident that he's listening, we know that what we've asked for is as good as ours. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for the fact of of even knowing you and the fact that you call us your children. And help us through this life, help us to understand and realize that we're going to fall down, we're going to go through ups and downs, we're going to go through very hard times, but you said you'd be with us in those times. And it's, there's so many things in this life that are half-truths or just straight-up lies that we often believe, and I just pray that you fill us with your spirit and give us boldness and, and, and understanding uh, to discern what is true and what is not. Help us to look to you in all things. We love you, in Jesus' name. Amen.